0: Hi, I'm Katie and this is Monumental, a small show about the big things God does in the lives of ordinary people. Today, Sebra Baker joins me as guest co-host. You'll remember Sebra from season two and the interview we did with her on hospitality called Hold It All with Open Hands. If you haven't heard that episode, I'll just say in her early years of marriage, she and her husband Stephen lived in a goat barn and then moved to a teepee.
1: (laughs) TV first, actually. TV first, I was going to ask, do they have the order
0: right? <laughs> TV first, then goat um, barn. All right, just um. to intrigue you, um, now you can go find that one. <laughs> well, today, Sierra and I are here with Rachel Nipp, along with her husband, Pastor Josh Nipp, of Bloomington Bible Church. Welcome, you guys. We're so glad that you're here today.
1: Thank, Thank you. Thank you. It's really good to be here.
0: We are so happy to have
2: Rachel with us today to share her story of the her struggles with debilitating anxiety that started for her at a very young age and she's also going to share with us the work that God has done in her life and how he has changed her and brought her healing and growth in this area.
0: And we're happy to have her husband Josh here with us too. We invited him on because he plays a significant role in, in Rachel's story. It's just really helpful to hear how God uses husbands and wives to sanctify one another. And in Rachel's story, God used her husband Josh um, really significantly to help her in this struggle with anxiety. And I think vice versa, he used you, Rachel, to also help your husband and prepare him for, in many ways, for ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. So let's jump in. What was the your first memory with your struggle with
3: anxiety? As a, You said as a child. Yes, um, yeah. You- I actually don't remember the first time I was anxious because honestly it was just such a common part of my life for as long as I can remember. But the first instance that I can remember that I would place early on was uh, just a simple time when my best friend at the time, my elementary school best friend, you know, was coming with her mom to pick me up to take me to her pl- her house for a play date for the afternoon. And I was excited to go. I wanted to go. I've been there many, many times. It was three minutes from my house, but I got in the car and something about that, which was unknown to me at the time, set me off on overwhelming anxiety. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the heart's pounding and my mouth gets dry and... Feeling almost like a heart attack sensation in my uh, in my chest and nausea, mm. and I just knew I had to get out of that car. That's yeah. all I knew. And so we were still in my driveway. So I mm-hmm. said, "I totally forgot." My brother has a t-ball game that I told him I would go to, and I just hopped out without another word and I left. Mm. And I left my friend. You know how kids are, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, like, whoa, what? What happened? And yeah. my friend is no longer coming to my house. Yeah. Do they ever come back to it, and that, or they just never took, took the
0: story? And, no, yeah. yeah,
3: no. But I also had several other instances with her, mm-hmm. and I think a little bit more normal of an experience for kids. You know, I went to her house for an overnight, and. Um, my parents had to come get me very late at night because I couldn't stay mm-hmm. any longer. And I think that seems more normal. Kids have a hard time staying the night at other people's houses. But yeah. for me, it was, um, it was such a normal part of other parts of my life too, that looking back, that was just a, mm-hmm. an instance where I was just overcome with anxiety and had to leave. Yeah. How often were the occurrences mm-hmm. for you? I think they were more and more often the older I got, definitely. But as a young kid, I don't think it was very often, although enough, it was often enough that it was a fearful thing to know that at any time it it could come up. I had a very happy childhood. I was generally a happy kid, but as I got older into middle school, things just started to increase Mm -hmm. and... You know, I would go into a situation and have what I uh, learned to call a panic attack uh, later. I would have a panic attack in a situation and then that type of situation from then on was an anxious situation for me. So if I had a panic attack in the car with other people other than my family, then from then on... Being in the Maybe car. not every time, but frequently, yeah. that would be a time where I would think, "Am I going? Is that going to happen again?" Oh, and yeah. so then, the more things that that happened with, the more situations became fearful. Right, that right. became a history with me. This, I have a history in a movie theater. So then, yeah. I am going to. Maybe that will happen again, right? So I need to so avoid that at all costs. Avoid. So you can see how that can snowball, mm, right? Quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Did your I, friends
0: know. Did you say anything?
3: To I didn't your say anything. Um, if I know myself, I told them I was sick, because that was what I always said, unless mm. I had another logical explanation. But mm. the most common explanation was that I was sick.
0: Is that what you thought? I'm sick, or Did you understand this as, like, I have severe anxiety
3: and I don't want my friends to know? Or I think when I was young, like elementary school age, I did not know what it was. But it was very familiar to me. So it wasn't shocking in any way. It was what I had always experienced. But I didn't have words for it, I didn't have explanation for it. I just knew that I had to get out of these situations and an easy way for a child to get out is to say they're sick. So even though I didn't, I didn't think, well, physically I am feeling sick. So this is what I'm going to say. It wasn't really a logical Mm
1: -hmm. connection
3: there. It was simply a lie to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as I got older, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I think I knew, okay, I'm anxious. I, I didn't have a good word for it because anxiety did not fit my experience in my mind. It was way too strong, mm. but I knew that it was similar in some ways. So that's what mm. I probably would have, um, been able to explain to somebody if I had wanted to, but I did not want to tell anybody what okay. I was, Yeah, but you were very much wanting to keep it. Yes. I current. just, I yeah. just never want to be the center of any attention. And that's, all. that's just part of my personality. It wasn't a fear that they would judge me necessarily. I just knew that that okay. would bring a lot of attention and I okay. did not want that. So how did that affect did you go to school? How did it affect school? I don't think it started affecting school until high school. I would I was you know having anxiety at school regularly starting in high school um, to the point where I was late for well there was one year I was late for school almost every day because my parents had to coerce me into... Mm-hmm getting up, eating, mm. getting ready, and we need to go. There was nothing going wrong at school. I had nothing in my childhood that was bad, no mistreatment or traumatic experiences. I had nothing, I was not bullied, I was not bad at academics in any way. Mm. The only thing that was bad about school was that I had been anxious there before and I might right. be anxious there again. Yeah. So yeah. that was the only thing. Mm. And being trapped, you know, being trapped at school uh, when I was anxious would be bad. So I wanted to avoid that. So I would be late to school. So I basically almost flunked my first period class that particular year. And my parents must have just been at their wit's end. Mm. And then there came a point that same year where I refused to go to school. I would not go. For
0: how long, like, did you...
3: You were... It was two weeks in the end, okay. and I don't know why I went back, but I think mm-hmm. being at home was helpful for me during those two weeks. And so okay. I think that I wasn't anxious while I was at home during those two weeks, um, and it gave me time to calm my system down. You what know, did you, What did you do during those two weeks? There were some hobbies. You know, my mom... <laughs> Would always say you need a project, (laughs) and she knew I needed to be busy and not just laying in bed, which I would do. Um, So she would get me my a new cross stitching uh, project from the craft store, and I would sit in front of the TV. With my parents and cross stitch. I remember that in the evenings and it was calming. There was there was a gift in that. I don't know that I should have been at school for those two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was a, a benefit, but I, I can only imagine my parents' dismay mm-hmm. that I was skipping school was repeatedly. That two weeks?
2: Like, okay, I think I need to just stay home and I'll go back in two weeks. Or was it just a day-to-day decision?
3: It it was a day-to-day decision. And I think my parents must have known not to push me harder um, than they did um, because I, I don't remember them Saying you were going and a fight or anything, they they were very gracious to me. Um, and I don't remember what made me go back at the end of two weeks, but it must have been the motivation that I knew I had to go back. I mean, people go to school; uh, I had to go. I must have just needed that time to calm down and um, be willing to put myself back in that situation again. And I know my mom was was planning ways to help me, and she would she would say, "Okay, today we're gonna get in the car and." Then we're going to go back in the house, mm. and then the next day she would say, "Okay, today we're going to get in the car and drive to the mailbox, mm. and then we're going to go back sweet. home." So and sweet. Yeah. very yeah. sweet. And the time and the energy to do that when mm. she had a you know a a job and um, other kids, and then so finally the last step was to go drive to the school and go walk up to the door and touch the doorknob and come back in and I I mean I want to honor my mom for that and it was Mm -hmm. so loving uh it didn't help me much in just because those things at that time weren't fearful I knew I was going straight back home okay so I wasn't I wasn't taking steps of Mm -hmm. harder and harder you know actions I was just doing that to please my mom (laughs) but but it was her heart for yeah Yeah. what else can we do here
0: sort of Tangible, you could work towards. Uh, yeah, yeah, worth yeah. The try,
3: definitely worth a try.
1: And there was something just about being at home that mm-hmm. was comforting,
3: mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, you know,
1: that was much preferable to anything that would trigger anxiety, which mm. didn't have a pattern at home, right? Okay. Yeah, right. And so it was the it was home was the place of escape.
2: Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have anxiety or panic attacks. At home over different situations
3: I never really did that I can remember until until maybe college when I, I realized you know now I'm you know I would be looking forward to things that I had to do and being anxious at home about oh, the future yeah, sure. definitely but in my mm-hmm. childhood in my earlier years than high school I never was anxious at home mm-hmm. and it was definitely a safe refuge for mm-hmm.
0: me so did you go to counseling or did you end up going mm-hmm. to get help in some way
3: yes I I think in high school they took me to a counselor just a secular uh, counselor and I remember doing that uh, regularly for most of my high school um, years well-meaning man who was uh, just a sweet uh, older gentleman who had some helpful things Uh, that if I would have taken them to heart would have been helpful. I wasn't apparently ready to hear them. Like he would just Mm. ask me, what is the worst thing that could happen? Mm. If you get on that bus uh, to go on this marching band trip, which I was Mm. wanting to do but afraid to do every time. And he would just say, what's the worst thing that could happen? And that's a very good question Mm. to ask and to have to answer and to grapple with. But I wasn't ready to find comfort in that. So, Mm. And he also would just say, you know your your anxiety is a or your panic. You know that's what he diagnosed me with panic attack disorder, which um, was a good word in my mind to use because panic was just a very mm. strong word that gave the mm. the importance to all. All of yeah. these terrible things Mashed that I was feeling, yeah. yes, it was strong enough yeah. that I felt satisfied. Yes, mm. that describes me, mm. and attack attack was mm. seemed accurate because I was never thinking very much. I was never thinking, oh, what if mm. um You know, what if a gunman came in here and I couldn't escape? There was no thinking like that. It just it was it hit me like as if Mm -hmm. as if something was attacking me, and I had no no precursor of thought, no precursor of. Very rarely did I have things that I was actually anxious about, other than getting anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so to me, panic attack was very accurate, but at the same time, it was not a helpful thing to me, simply because that was a diagnosis that was. To be, you know, I was told this is the way I would be for my entire life. Okay. There was nothing to be done. Yeah. It was really hopeless. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah, other than medication, which they put me on, which did not help. So, mm. yeah. So he would say to me, "Just let mm-hmm. your panic rest on your shoulder. If you walk into a room, just let it rest there. You can walk into the room with your panic sitting on your shoulder." <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and even at the time, I knew really know what's helpful oh, about oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so. so did you continue to go
2: to him throughout high school or was this just a uh, one or, you know, a couple it, time times?
3: I think I went for several years okay. and, you know, you have to go if you're on medication, they want you to be mm-hmm. going regularly. So I must have been going at least twice a month or um, mm-hmm. something like that. And and I remember one thing is that they would not talk to my parents, which I think must be a a privacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm concern. Um, but I know that my, you know, my parents just, what are you, what are you learning? What do you, um, what is he telling you that's helpful? And I had nothing to tell them that nothing was helping me in the slightest bit. Uh, but that's all we had, you know, that, that's all we had.
0: You did not grow up in a Christian home.
3: That's right. So, um, no, none of my family members were believers but one thing that is just that I can look back and see how God was really protecting me and shaping me and helping me was that I had the Bible. I we were always in church. It wasn't a Bible believing church, but we were in church. There was the Bible. I owned one. You know, I read it regularly. I prayed uh, the Lord's prayer every night religiously uh, before bed because I thought that that was going to be a part of my. Um, my religion that I would mm-hmm. be uh, going to heaven when I died if I prayed this prayer every night, mm-hmm. you know. But I, but at the same time, that was not a biblical way to think about it. But at the same time, I had mm-hmm. God's word in my heart. In that way, mm-hmm. I read it. Mm-hmm. I, I learned the Bible stories, mm-hmm. and I had a very moral home, very mm-hmm. stable home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents loved me, and they were present. And my mom stayed home for most of my uh, childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, until i was in high school so that was that was a huge way that god protected me Mm -hmm. helped me and he gave me a childlike faith long before i had a saving faith and i i consider that a great gift Yeah. Yeah. so
0: when did you become a christian and how did that happen
3: yeah so i um when i went to college which obviously was a fearful decision. Mm, a big deal. <laughs> Cuz where were you, you going to be moving away? I moved from
0: or into a dorm.
3: Into or? the dorm, which yeah. was 20 minutes from my home, but okay. this was still a big deal. This yeah. was the only college that I would consider because it was my hometown. Okay. My dad worked on campus, but still was very fearful decision to make. But when I went to college, I believed I was a Christian, so I signed up for several different Christian organizations. I was very social, always wanted mm. to be around People, So I started going to two Bible studies, so two separate Christian organizations, but I would do all of the things. And so there was one um, Bible study that I was involved in my freshman year that was trying to teach these freshman girls who, you know, they all thought I was a Christian because I knew all the language. Wanting to teach us how to share the gospel. So they would draw, you know, it was the bridge illustration, and they would draw it for us. And, you know, all the other girls were, oh, yeah, I could could tell somebody about this. Mm -hmm. And my mind was just just a fog like foggy when I looked at this paper that they were describing I did not understand what they were saying at all it was very just Greek to me nonsense what are you even talking about but it was the gospel and I thought I was a Christian and I didn't even know that they were talking about salvation I couldn't even Mm. grasp it that far to know that that's what they were trying to tell me so they took me out in the hallway and tried to explain it again. And I just finally I pretended that I knew what they were talking about, but never. No. I, it. I, I think I uh, it. sure, Sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, so that's the point where I can look back and say, okay, clearly I was not a Christian mm-hmm. then. But then in my other Bible study, when they were teaching us to share the gospel, it was something I could read. All I had to do was read a paper, a track to other people. And that would be sharing the gospel with them. So I... Kind of understood that I can read this to people and maybe they would believe in God. I guess was what I thought. But uh, (laughs) explain
0: all these things. Yeah, I didn't have to draw a picture.
3: I didn't have to comprehend what I was saying. I just had to read it. Read it straight. So I would, I would share the gospel with people that I um, didn't really know what I was doing at the beginning. Um, I didn't really know the purpose, but it seemed to be what everybody thought we should be doing. So (laughs) I did that, and somewhere in there, uh, God saved me. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't remember the day, but I remember I, I do remember the faith building in my heart and my mm-hmm. soul and understanding the Bible like I had never understood it before. Understanding this thing that I was reading and um and finally at the end of my freshman year I looked back and I thought, I was not a Christian at the beginning mm-hmm. of this year, but I am now, mm-hmm. definitely. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I praise God for that.
0: So did that have any impact then on the panic attacks becoming a christian was there a correlation Mm. in your mind between those two things for you
3: i definitely remember thinking this is the end of my anxiety or my Mm. panic attack disorder i have christ i am saved i'm i have this newfound just relationship with god that i have never had before so i'm not really gonna struggle very much. I knew I would have a little bit of anxiety, but I just thought this will be the end, you know, pretty soon. But it was still enslaving mm-hmm. and still uh, just such a huge part of my life. And so then I just thought, well, I guess it's not just going to go away. And then I didn't know what to do at that point. Yeah, yeah.
2: Did you talk to anyone in any of those campus ministries or any other Christian friends during that time about Mm -hmm. your struggle with
3: anxiety? I think as I started to understand it more and once I became a Christian and I knew that Christians need other Christians. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely talked about it way more and I was able to tell people, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm anxious or, uh, I'm having a panic attack a lot, just, you know, everybody kind of knew that that was my struggle at that point. and that mm-hmm. that is good. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was good that when I would have just overwhelming moments or days of anxiety. My roommate, my second year, uh, was such a sweet girl. And she, at one point, I was, it was hard for me to walk down the hallway to use the bathroom mm-hmm. just because I had to leave my room. Mm-hmm. Nothing was, I didn't know anything other than I feel better in here. <laughs> so I wanted your, to stay your there. Your dorm
0: room kind of became your new, what had been yeah. home, yeah. Like yeah. safety zone. Yeah,
3: a home yeah. base. And <laughs> yeah. and so she she came in and saw that I was struggling so much and she... Made me a little, you know, mac and cheese cup that you can make in the microwave and sat me down. And she mm-hmm. gave me the spoon and said, You have to eat this. I'm going to sit here until you eat at least half of this. So, was not mm-hmm. eating a common thing or connected, yeah, to mm-hmm. this, your anxiety? I think if I could sum it up, big picture as a kid and into adulthood, my main thing, my main idol, what I wanted more than I wanted anything else was physical and emotional comfort. So that's like big picture. But where it came down to me personally was that I did have a struggle with low blood sugar and that was a mm-hmm. physical, you know, real thing that I had. And symptoms of low blood some are kind of mimicking panic. So a lot of the times uh, when I look back, either it was a true, true situation where I didn't eat quite the right things or quite enough, or it was perceived that I didn't eat enough or the right things. Was so, that something
2: you found out as a child? Yes. Were your
3: parents aware of this need for you? Yes, I did, um, I did. I was tested and the doctor did say, yes, she has low blood sugar. Just, you know, here's how you manage it. And so that was something that was that was real but it became far more than just that I mean it instantly because my desire for physical comfort was so strong I was terrified of letting my blood sugar go too low I was mm-hmm. terrified of passing out uh, more than anything mm-hmm. so it's definitely a pattern in my in my entire story of mm-hmm. feeling like I need food whether I need it or not mm-hmm. just to keep from having any symptoms of low blood sugar. Um,
0: so do you carry food around with you generally? All the time.
3: All the time. All yeah. the time. Never, mm-hmm. never would I have been without food. Uh, once I started to figure out that that was a real need, um, I I always want... It, any situation where I thought I did not have access to food in some way was very... Mm-hmm. was almost... Yeah, instant panic attack. Mm. Uh, so that became an enslaving part to the story, mm. and I think it was around that time when I um, call, I got to the point where I was so anxious, you know, the point where I couldn't, I had to work up the courage to walk to the bathroom. Uh, that I called my dad and just said, "I can't even, mm. I can't even get down the hall to the bathroom." And he said. Um, I'm coming to get you <laughs> yeah. so he came in that was he he just was no questions asked you know I'll just yeah. come get you and he worked on campus he probably was there he probably was there in five minutes you yeah, know well. so he so you know. went home for a while so I did basically the same thing I did in high school you know mm-hmm. sophomore year and I went home mm-hmm. and I didn't go back the next day for classes then I stayed home mm-hmm. and um cross-stitched or (laughs) gardened or, you know, my mom said, you need a garden. So I would plant my flowers and do my cross-stitch and, um, you know, there was no texting. So I wasn't in contact Mm -hmm. with my friends at college and, and they must've worried about me some, but, um, and it was about two weeks and I don't know what made me go back again, but I, I just, I wanted it enough. I wanted, Mm. I wanted to do Um, mostly wanted to be around my friends enough that I would go back. And I did.
0: Just keep thinking, what a
3: sweet mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Thinking of these different things
0: to try to help you.
3: Yeah. My parents were amazing. They didn't know what to do necessarily, but neither did anybody. Nobody had any thoughts of how to help. um, But they did everything they could.
0: So now that you're uh, a Christian, did you think then, and, and finding out, okay, becoming a Christian didn't just solve this problem for me. Mm-hmm. Did you think then of going to a Christian counselor or a pastor or mm-hmm. did you get involved in
3: a church? Yeah, I was in a church um, from the beginning of college. It was the okay. the campus church where everybody went. But because I was there, I just thought, oh, okay, so I'm a Christian. I should see so when I called, they they put me in contact with what I believe was their counselor for whoever, you know, the whole college campus could have mm-hmm. access to her, um, but it was primarily for the church. And so I went to her, and I very quickly stopped going to her. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is the place I should go. This is Christian counseling. This is what I need. I, I don't want to go to a secular counselor anymore. Mm-hmm. I really want a Christian counselor. But she was... Um, very unsure what to do with me simply because I didn't have anything in particular that had happened to me that would cause me to fear. So she said, I'm sure that you had some abuse occur in your Mm -hmm. life that you have covered up in your mind to where you Mm -hmm. are protecting yourself by not remembering it. And I knew that that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And praise God, I just didn't go back. (laughs) So I went several times, but there was no help there. Right. So clearly that was more hopelessness.
2: Yeah.
3: And now I have a Christian counselor who wow. can't help me. Yeah. And I didn't have any knowledge mm-hmm. that maybe I needed to talk to a pastor or, you know, that was just, wasn't part of my reality. So. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So then when does Josh, come into your story.
3: Is that would that be next up? Or I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so. Here I come. Here. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> my knight in shining armor. Did you meet in college? We did. So we went to high school okay. together. I was a year oh, older, and okay. we never um, met in high school that we know of. But we had. Um, I
1: TP to her house in high school one time.
3: <laughs> True. <laughs> I think
1: that's so how I won her heart many years later. <laughs> Before we met. Sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: We had joining, we had an overlapping friend group. So okay. later we found that out that so that was funny. something that he had done. But um, That was the source
0: of her anxiety. That's t- right.
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> it was after this she went home from high school for two weeks. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But um, so we, we got saved the same year before we met. Um, and I think we both, the way I tell the story, you may tell it differently, but I think we both wanted to go back to our family's church. Um, his was maybe his aunts or his grandma's church. Mine was yeah. the church I had grown up in and kind of save our churches because they were not biblical churches. And so we had gone and I g-
1: wasn't that smart yet. I was just going to help and oh, I thought okay. I was supposed to be in a church.
3: Okay, okay. So, so I,
1: You probably were ahead of me in terms of godliness wisdom and discernment. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly.
3: So I kind of went back to my, my church that I had grown up in and wanted to save them all. So mm-hmm. I was the youth leader. Okay and was teaching those kids. And he knew he wanted to be in a church. Yeah, I was a ho-
1: highly qualified, you know, 19 or 20 year old youth leader in the yeah. church too.
3: Yeah, brand new believer. Yeah. <laughs> brand new believer. yeah, yeah.
1: I was excited about Jesus. I yeah. really was.
3: Yeah, we both had a lot of passion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we were both leading the youth of these churches and our churches happened to be friends. And okay. so when our kids, our youth kids went to church camp, uh, you know, we stayed in the same, you know, massive cabin and met there. And um, and then our, our youth kids wanted to continue that. You know, we had this awesome week of camp and they wanted to continue that. So they wanted, mm. suggested we do a Bible study together. Okay. So uh, Josh and, and you I. You guys were
0: like, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> so we had, there were two other young ladies and myself and Josh led a bible study for our youth kids for about a year Yep. okay before we started dating so we really got to know each other really well through that time
1: yeah, so we began dating in july of that year must have been
3: 2003
1: mm-hmm. and uh, we had known each other for a year yeah i mean i was in love with her mm-hmm. and she was mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. and in so many ways and this area of fear there wasn't, we didn't understand yet. I didn't even really understand it much yet at this point. Um, right at the kind of the point where we were thinking about dating. I like knew it was there. That's all I knew. What
2: had you seen of it?
1: I don't know that I had actually even seen it. Mm. I was just, a master
3: of hiding. Yeah, I think she was very fear. good at
1: hiding it. So I think it was just maybe one of our friends mentioned it to me. Mm. I do remember when I asked her out... <laughs> this is going to sound really terrible, but um, <laughs> I remember when I asked her out because I knew the fear was going to be a thing, and I knew she would be terrified of mm-hmm. actually going to a restaurant with me mm-hmm. um, because it was already terrifying. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like the thought of dating; it was the going out to a restaurant. Okay. And so I knew that was going to be a thing. But I was like, "We need to talk." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, <laughs> it's like we need to <laughs> we need to kind of talk and kind of clarify where we're at and what we're thinking mm-hmm. here, you know, yeah. and um. And so she tried, she tried to get out of it, but I um, knew it wasn't because she didn't want to actually do it. And mm-hmm. so even then I was like, I was like, Rachel, you're not getting out of this. We need to get together and talk, <laughs> <laughs> which just sounds no. terrible. Um, <laughs>
2: you can't yeah. say no to me. <laughs> yeah, right. So it just sounds
1: awful, but... Um, if I had just let it go, I don't know what would happen. So there was like yeah. already kind of overcoming the obstacle a little bit, yeah, sure. you know, just to yeah.
3: He called me and he said, "Let's go to Panera tonight." And I said, <laughs> "I have I have plans." He said, oh, "I called no, Danielle. You're going
1: to tell this much detail." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this yes. is great. Yeah, go ahead.
3: <laughs> I said, I, I have plans. He said, I called Danielle. I canceled your plans. She oh, she wow. wants us to go out. Yeah, oh. but
1: Danielle knew we needed to talk. So she yeah. was like yeah. a part of it, too. It wasn't yeah, like was, I just yeah. totally canceled the plan. No, she no, was, no. Like, she was like, like you guys need, like, need oh, to yeah, and yeah. talk. Okay, so. yeah.
3: And then I said, mm-hmm. I'm sick. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he said, you're not getting out of this. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: So you really yeah. were anxious about going to a restaurant with him, or was it? Was it? Was it both just, of those yeah. things? It was, or was. Co- it just combined? combined?
3: Yeah, yeah. It was definitely combined. Yeah, so it was going to yeah. be doubly worse. Yeah, kind of thing. I mean, and I, I knew was, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was nervous about the talk mm, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't really know how we would have really got around it at that point, right? Yeah. You know, it was. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we. Talked and then we began dating.
0: So you got through.
1: Mm. We got through. He that we yeah. He, he came and it. got yeah. me, and I went. And we had a great. Yeah. We had a great. We had a yeah. great time. Was it talking. helpful
3: to you having somebody just be like, "No, you're going to do this"? Definitely. I mean, I wanted <laughs> to go. I yeah. just was terrified. Huh. So for him to just say, "I'm coming anyway. I'm going to pick and you it, up." we should
1: say, Panera was her favorite place and yes. so it was yeah he picked Panera I was like trying I was like trying everything I could to like <laughs> make it as comfortable as possible just with yeah. what I knew at the time mm-hmm.
2: yeah. was that the first time that anyone had just said no you need to do this you're not going to get out of this
3: my my mom is pretty strong. She mm. would tell me, you're doing this, you're mm. doing this. But I was a rebellious child, mm. so I mm. didn't always do it mm. when she said that. Whereas with Josh, I wanted, and at this point, motivation was I had different. the motivation <laughs> to, to go ahead and do it because I liked him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: yeah, do I want to be with Josh or do I just want to stay home?
3: Right, mm. yeah. yeah. The motivation yeah. was there. Yeah. So, i risk the fear. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. You were willing to risk the fear at that yeah, point.
3: Yeah, if you want yeah, something bad yes. enough, you will go through huh. a lot right,
1: to get it. So. Yeah, and this will matter later, but she had a, a list of reasons why she would not date me, and, um, and this, one's re- this one's really funny. She had a list, so she probably had already lost already.
3: You were trying uh, to talk yourself out of it. Yeah. I was, I was.
1: Yeah, but uh, well, the funniest thing on the list was he's emotionally constipated. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which, wow. Which, <laughs> at the
1: time. Which at the time had a lot of truth to it. I mean, I didn't understand my emotional reality. You know. And and that is important for part of, the, you know, as we get along in the conversation here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that your fear was actually really helpful for mm-hmm. me helping you through your fear and how God, you know, kind of used me as a part of this. The thing that was helpful for me, at least in part, was kind of raising my emotional intelligence level mm-hmm. quite a bit, so... Um, so God used that so that I'm mm-hmm. not as emotionally constipated anymore
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> True, <laughs> very true. very so maybe the uh, forcing her out on the date was part of the emotional <laughs> <laughs> constipation yes. yes. yeah, yeah I was
1: like I'm, t- I'm trying here but I, I don't know this probably was like the most understanding way to pull this off <laughs> <laughs> but God uh, used yeah. that so yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah.
3: yes. Uh-huh. so pretty early on we were pretty serious, pretty quick, because we had known each other for a year, mm-hmm. and pretty early on, he just told me, "If we're if we're going to talk about marriage, we have to get this figured out first, Meaning, mm. my fear and anxiety. So that was a pretty big wake up call. Mm. But I knew he was right. So that began.
0: It also shows
3: that you still had hope that you could get better, despite. Mm-hmm all the counselors you'd met with telling you, sorry, this is the way you're going to be. Well, it really took him saying that. And I remember thinking, okay, I had maybe a 10% hope that we would find some help, Mm -hmm. but I've basically run the gamut, but I was willing to try. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. And I didn't even really have, I had been a Christian maybe three and a half years at this point. I had heard some really good Bible teaching um, I was not yet in a good church, I didn't quite have that figured out yet, um, but I had heard some good Bible teaching, and at the time primarily through the radio, and we were just working through normal conflicts of dating, And but I remember one night kind of s- sitting there talking and just thinking, this whole thing just screams fear to me. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where God's mercy really intervened, and, and I don't quite remember exactly the how this transpired, but we had found a church that taught the scriptures. And we knew after we visited one time, we were dating and looking for a church. We, we knew we need to find a church that's really going to help us and a place where we can be a part of. We had known, we had come to know that. But really quickly, maybe a few, two, four, six weeks after being there, um, they had a biblical counseling ministry. <laughs> but for her, she's feeling like, okay, but what i've tried everything mm-hmm. and I, and so the only thing i could think was well why don't we just call and see if you can get into the counseling ministry there and see what happens mm-hmm. they got us in quickly but it wasn't really mm-hmm. even us at that point it was kind of you and
3: was to asked did you both mm-hmm. go together or was it just uh, I st- initially i started going myself and i m- did most of my initial counseling alone and then when we got engaged at christmas time then they brought him in with me which was a huge help. Of course, I was sharing everything with him after each session and trying to tell him how he could help me and how we could grow through this. I had always called it a panic attack disorder. And what I was experiencing was panic. And I would use the word anxiety because that helped people. They understood that. But in my mind, that's not really what it was. It was so much more than that. It was so much, Mm -hmm. it was different than that. So I sat down the very first meeting with this pastor, um, who was to be my counselor, and you know, I think initially, very early on in the conversation, he just said, "So, with what you're struggling with, would you describe that as worry?" And I just, yeah, wanted him to understand what I dealt with. Yeah, I wanted him to know the severity. So I said, "No, absolutely not. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> not worry." Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, "Would you describe it as anxiety?" And I said, no, because that, I knew I, could, I had to have him understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, would you say f- it's fear? And immediately when he said fear, I just thought, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. fear mm-hmm. sounds. That one
0: resonated. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I had never, I don't think, mm-hmm. I had been calling it anxiety sometimes, but I don't think I had ever thought of the word fear. Um, but mm-hmm. that sounded strong enough, mm-hmm. you know, it sounded mm-hmm. severe enough. So I said, yes. And he said, the Bible talks about fear. Mm. And that was the moment that I yeah. thought, oh, well, I mm. could. There's hope. <laughs> there is hope.
1: So much hope. And 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 that mm. was, I mean, I'm kind of, we're, we're kind of serious and thinking about this, but one of the real issues was working through a fear to consider marriage and just kind of figuring this out a little bit. And I mean, when she came home and told me that and it was just like, well, the Bible says, "Do not fear." So, what is it when you fear? Mm. You know, and it leads you down all kinds of paths of uh, of rebellion, essentially. You know, mm. and it's like, well, it's sin, mm-hmm. and it just didn't discourage us at all because it just put mm. it as it put it into categories that we now understood. You know, it was like, oh yeah, sin. You know, it's like we know about did, this. We know about <laughs> sin. <laughs> 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 you know, and, right. and yeah. what did Jesus die for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sin. So Jesus is with us and he stands ready to help us um, now with his truth to Mm -hmm. um, battle this fear with Mm -hmm. truth, um, you know, with Christ and his word and we have his spirit and all of these things were like, all of a sudden it was like, oh, it was hope giving for me. Mm -hmm. And then she continued to go and she worked so hard, Mm -hmm. unbelievably hard at her spiritual growth. And of -hmm. course she did want to get rid of the fear, but one of the Mm -hmm. things that kept saying was... If this is about getting rid of the fear, then that's not good enough. and so she just really worked hard to make it about pleasing God mm-hmm. and she worked so hard at it, and that gave me hope and so we started mm-hmm. I mean really kind of gave us comfort to start moving forward with engagement and yeah and,
3: yeah. yeah, and to just give a picture of like the work involved yeah mm-hmm. you know we w- um we moved on to uh premarital counseling at that point, which mm. was under our pastor. Who was the college pastor at the time? So we a six months of premarital counseling was almost entirely focused on my fear. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. that was the main issue at hand, and so he had us. um, We took one the summer that we were engaged, and um, we mapped out on the calendar. We sat down with our calendar and mapped out each (laughs) week. I believe Mm -hmm. we had something hard to do, and so we, you know. I did not look forward to that summer because all of these things were aimed at things that were so difficult for me. You know, there was a trip to the zoo, Indianapolis Zoo, which was an hour. There was a trip with friends, which doubles yeah. the mm. yeah. doubles the strength to Chicago, a zoo yeah. in Chicago. That and those are the only two I remember now. But. So hard things to do, not meaning
2: things to get ready for the wedding, hard things to no. do. But-
1: <laughs> right? Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> At least that no, no, should no. have been
2: fun. <laughs> activities, <laughs> just activities that brought yeah, fear, or a- anxiousness to you.
3: Just taking steps of mm. faith to say, mm. I will do hard things mm. yeah. to please God, even if I have overwhelming anxiety getting ready to or on the trip or whatever we were doing. And I would sit down before an event and I would just, you know, in my journal and I would journal questions just to put in my mind thoughts where before there was only feeling. Mm -hmm. So I would only feel uh, for most of my life. I would walk into a situation. Either I would feel fine or I would not feel fine. But there wasn't a lot of thought involved because Mm -hmm. I had built a a habit. Um, There had been thoughts in the beginning, but now there was only habit. And so I had to write down, you know, what is the situation? You know, oh, we're going to the zoo. How am I feeling anxious? <laughs> what am I thinking? Usually nothing. I'm thinking I don't yeah. want to go. I'm right. thinking I hope I don't get anxious. I'm thinking I probably will get anxious. And then, you know, and then the next question, what should I be thinking? Mm. And so then I had to write out, mm-hmm. what does God say I should be thinking right now? Because there was never a thought, there was just. Right. Yeah. so I had to retrain it was so wow. much work wow. well, but I was retrained that myself the, was that the process or the the exercises
2: that this pastor counselor gave yes pre-marital yeah, counseling?
3: yeah. so initially that was my first counselor gave me those questions and so I would just every single week he would say okay do this four times I want four situations mm-hmm. where you write out all of these questions okay. and so I would do that homework every week mm-hmm. and so then with premarital counseling I continued doing that as okay. needed. And the goal was always to get those questions in my mind. I wouldn't have to sit down and write mm-hmm. them. I would yeah. have them in my mind. Okay, what should I be thinking right now Retraining instead of... Just the
0: habits yeah. of your thinking.
1: One of the other key pieces other than just want to please God was how can we be focused on loving other people Mm -hmm. rather than focused on ourselves and our emotional feelings? And so, I mean, one of the things we were directed to do was always to have three by five cards with us. And I remember you Mm -hmm. always having three by five cards and you had scripture verses on them. Mm -hmm. And you also like, before we would go to do something that we knew it was going to be challenging, we would write out, like five questions that you could ask anybody who would be around mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. that was going to be difficult. And so you would have a three by five card with the questions. And um, I don't remember you ever actually pulling the three by five card out in mm-hmm. front of somebody and be like, oh, just, <laughs> my uh, card
2: how says, How are you doing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, but the preparation for thinking yeah. about others and mm-hmm. kind of beginning to build a habit of others mindedness mm-hmm. in in regards to um
3: yeah because fear is very self focused right. so if, if yes. you can discipline your mind and your heart to be thinking of others wherever you are that was mm-hmm. the goal that yeah. I would get I would write this down and prepare my heart that I would have questions on my mind to ask others to get yeah. the focus off of myself that yeah so
2: helpful. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah and yeah. I had this you know pretty thick you know, r- ring, key ring of three by five cards with all of my verses that I, that were comforting. And I really, I mean, I really did pull that out, not in front of people, but before I went to something or even in the bathroom when mm-hmm. I was somewhere. Do you
2: still yeah. have that?
3: Well, funny you asked because yeah. on our wedding day, I was an anxious wreck. I had my three by five cards in my hand as I was getting ready to walk down the aisle. So I was Mm. preparing to walk down the aisle, but I had them in my hand and Mm. I just realized I can't walk down the aisle with three by five cards in my hand. I have to hold (laughs) my bouquet. (laughs) So I set them on a bookshelf right before, you know, as you go down the hallway in the church and I never went back and got them. So, Mm. but it is a sweet memory that Mm. that's where I lost my cards because I had Mm. them with me. I had God's word constantly with me Mm. to grow in faith.
1: So then, I mean, that really does kind of lead us into the beginning of mm-hmm. our marriage.
3: Yeah, I mean, I really felt like I had grown a lot. We had learned so many truths that I was putting into practice daily and had done a lot of hard things and really felt like we were not in the clear, but really yeah, close. But growing. Yeah, we growing. We're, we're growing. Yeah. And then we got married and I was very happy to be married. But on our honeymoon, the very first day, we hadn't even spent the night and I just, uh, well, we ate some pizza. And, of course, I was I was tense. This is kind of you a know, ner- mm. nerve-wracking thing yes. to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was tense, and I ate this pizza, and then I threw up mm-hmm. that same day that we arrived at our honeymoon. And it was about two hours away from our hometown. Yeah,
1: I mean, we tried to pick a honeymoon t- location that was actually <laughs> reasonable distance because yeah. it felt yeah. like maybe that would be... Better, Mm -hmm.
3: so we were not too far from home. But when I got physically sick, Mm -hmm. obviously that is a struggle for me, and Mm -hmm. I just went into a total tailspin Mm -hmm. of anxiety, stronger than you know. Yeah. um, Well, maybe not stronger, but just longer lasting than ever before. So Mm -hmm. he and I
1: could tell. I could tell that this was more severe than probably anything that Mm -hmm. I had even experienced up to that point that mm-hmm. closely it, w- it was like you know I don't know how we decided I can we go home and and I was like absolutely there's mm-hmm. no reason I don't staying here at this level of panic which was clearly evident to me yeah, didn't seem like that was going to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. right. We yeah. weren't going to talk this it down. It wasn't a words. time then,
0: to just push through. Yeah, this. yeah, it wasn't the time to right.
1: push through. I mean, we had done that other times where, sure. like, she jokes with me about saying, like, "No, we're going to Walmart," you uh-huh. know. <laughs> like, yeah. But for this, it was like, okay. So we packed up on our home, so we had like a half day. Yeah, we didn't even spend honeymoon. one night. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
3: so we went home late at night, and um, and I just spent what ended up being about 5 weeks and just constant overwhelming anxiety. Mm. At the time I didn't know how long it was going to last. Right. So right. it felt and like and we were home. And we were home. We home, were home meaning your apartment, the new our together. new home. Yeah. So clearly that was wasn't a, a safe place yet in the mm-hmm. sense that it right. hadn't become my new refuge. Right. But at the same time it, I had lived there for a month before he we got married. So it was fearful to me that I was having this level of fear mm-hmm. in my own home. And I didn't know how long. And I thought, is this the new normal? The norm. This is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I mean, our, our pastor was a godsend to us. I mean, he had spent endless hours counseling us, helping us. And I don't remember if, if my pastor just called me then or, or what. But I do remember talking with him on the phone pretty quickly after that. And he just said, well, Josh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and those are just the most comforting words you can yeah, give to somebody yeah, when yeah. you understand their situation. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just settled immediately settled mm-hmm. me down yeah, because me I was kind of like I don't this is so overwhelming.
3: Is I thought we were I thought it was going well. Yeah. Why yeah. is this happening? Right. And and yeah,
1: now right. it's like, whoa, okay. And he just said, well, um, you know your wife struggles, and now you have a new apartment, and she's got a new job, and she has a new husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes. know, and All so big changes. Yeah, oh, and God. so everything was changing, and and, right. and and that just helped me go, okay, yeah, I, I, I at least can understand that. But right. it was like this five week struggle, and I remember mm-hmm. one time we were sitting in we were sitting in the living room, and it was so overwhelming, just yeah. weeping. I mean, we were just sitting on the living room floor we didn't know what to do. So, we were just weeping and calling out to Jesus. And I just remember this is one of my most vivid memories of that five-week period. And we were calling out to Jesus and we were just weeping. And I just felt like this overwhelming sense that Jesus is with us in this. And I remember having that. Since so strongly, I kind of, it like made me weep harder because it was like the mm-hmm. weeping of, of, of like the comfort, you know, yeah, the good. Lord Jesus is with us in this mm-hmm. and he's going to help mm-hmm. us. And, you know, for kind of five weeks we went through this 24 hour panic mm-hmm. attack yeah. with only a minutia of relief
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you were doing your work.
3: I was doing my work. He, you know, he would say, let's just, you know, it's you time, time to journal. go to your questions mm-hmm. and yeah it's time to get some bible verses out and i would go and i would do that and i would just be almost just like rocking trying to get some physical relief yeah. from the just the the energy of the fear was so strong so and i remember one day we were trying to just talk after dinner and i couldn't be seated you know i was too fearful to sit down and I was trying to explain to him how I had, I, what I don't know what I was explaining, talking about something about the day or how I was feeling. And I just had so much fearful energy that I just broke the pen that was in my hands. Like it was just too much, just trying to mm-hmm. get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you don't know how long it's going to go on, mm-hmm. and you're
0: having thoughts of wondering, is this the new norm?
3: Mm-hmm. It'd
0: be very scary.
3: It was scary, and I think it was scary for me just to think about how is this affecting him and he was just Mm -hmm. so steadfast and Mm -hmm. calm and steady and helpful and loving and never once made me feel bad Mm -hmm. that this was our first five or you know whoever knows how long this is going to be but this is our first experience of marriage (laughs) is this just fear constantly and I think
1: I had confidence that this actually would pass Mm. You know, I remember when I was talking to my pastor, he's like, well, is she working through her journaling questions? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, why not? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I guess I just didn't really think about it. it. it It's like in the chaos, that just didn't come to mind. And so I needed his help. middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, And and so then that's when in that period, she really started doing that again Mm -hmm. and kind of reworking on good work that was going to help her. And and then I had another friend who gave a key word of encouragement. He just said she's never had a stable husband who's strong and who can help her consistently kind of through this. And so he said, I mean, I I really feel like there's something about you guys coming together in marriage now that can really help her Mm -hmm. make significant strides in this. Mm -hmm. And he said that to me, and I was like, okay, that's my job. You know, Mm -hmm. this is my job to love her as... Mm -hmm you know and that encouraged me to just be steadfast in this like and so and it gave me confidence that it wouldn't be like this forever yeah you know if yeah. we did what god wanted us to do it wouldn't be like this forever yeah. you know and so
0: was so there yeah. something at the end of the 5 weeks that that brought you out of it or mm-hmm. did it
3: just kind of well, I think there was a slow improvement, but I do remember one specific instance where, um, so we got married in October, beginning of October. And I remember very clearly a New Year's Eve party that we were invited to and I wanted to go. We were going, you know, that was the benefit of, of marrying a steady man that mm-hmm. we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, And I wanted to go. But I was very anxious and had been just barely coming out of this just severe period of anxiety. And so I sat down and I remember, you know, exactly where I sat on the couch by the lamp, Hmm. you know, and um, started my journaling questions. And I worked through them and I wrote out every, you know, answer like I always did. I just was working hard, knowing that I've done this a thousand times. But this was the first time that as I was working through my journaling questions and thinking of God's word and thinking God's thoughts after him, that my physical body actually responded Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time I walked myself back out of fear. Mm -hmm. So I had done many times all of these things that I knew was obeying my husband, obeying my counselor and doing obeying God, doing the work and I had known that my mind was in order Mm -hmm. at the end of that, but my physical Mm -hmm. symptoms were not. Mm -hmm. And this was the first Mm -hmm. time that my physical body responded to that Mm -hmm. and calmed down Mm -hmm. through the process. So that, and I knew it right away. I thought, whoa, "Whoa, that's different, (laughs) 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 that's different. (laughs) And it was such an encouragement to me because I thought, because my you know our pastor's wife who had been also working tirelessly with us and with me and she had always told me that um you know you reap what you sow but you know you sow a tomato seed you don't reap a tomato the next day mm. so mm. if you sow thoughts of fear for 20 years um You might reap feelings of fear for a little while, (laughs) Hmm. even after you start sowing righteous thoughts. Hmm. So she said, You're sowing these good thoughts and these biblical, you know, scriptural Hmm. thoughts and truths, but you're not going to. Reap the physical or the emotional benefits mm. tomorrow, mm. Mm. and so, so that oh.
1: is so helpful. That was really helpful. Yeah. yeah,
3: And it was such an encouragement because I thought, okay, so I'm sowing these thoughts today. I may reap it in three months, yeah. but mm. I will do it Gave because it's the... pleasing to God mm. anyway. Persevere. So, yeah, yeah. So I felt yeah. at that point. I think I might be reaping something good mm-hmm. <laughs> finally. Oh, so encouraging! So. And the
1: habit piece—it was like the habit piece was mm-hmm. like broken at that point. The habit uh-huh. that, that is the word attack, panic attack—was
3: mm-hmm.
1: starting to yeah. change all of a sudden, right? Yeah, then, it felt like. Amazing. Yeah,
3: felt like there are thoughts involved here, and God can help me with the thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to just continually think, "I'm walking into this situation because I want to please God. Doesn't matter how I feel." My feelings don't matter. What matters is if I will choose to please God right now. And I think that that was, you know, looking back, that was definitely the point where I feel like in those few weeks after that, that I was no longer enslaved to fear. Mm -hmm. And you began to see a pretty drastic change going forward. yeah, Yeah. And certainly not, certainly has been still just a, a climb or a, um, you know, sanctification process Mm -hmm. continually. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really feel like after that, that I was regularly enslaved to where I couldn't do what I needed to do because of my fear. But that was definitely a, a turning point for Mm. me. Mm.
0: And then when did you decide to go into the pastor?
1: Yeah. So I, when we went on our very first date to Panera, I had told her even in that that I felt pretty confident the Lord was calling me to be a pastor, but I had mentioned that to her and and I said to her, so we may have, you know, like if we go along here, like we may have to move, you know, Mm -hmm. someday. And uh, or you
3: know, you said sometimes pastors move frequently. Would you be okay with that (laughs) (laughs) on our first date? (laughs) The first date that was forced, (laughs) 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 exactly. Uh, And of course, at the time, even though I knew that that would be very difficult, yes, that (laughs) would be (laughs) fine as long as I'm with you,
1: right. So definitely, that was you know, like in the beginning, that was already kind of a part of a part of this. And um, then when we were in the church, and then growing and, and serving in a good church, and then married, really everything at that point was preparation. The church was starting a, a pastor training seminary program, and and so we were kind of preparing for that. And uh, there was always this question of you know, like how much is Rachel's fear going to mm-hmm. affect the the work of of ministry. And, you know, I remember my pastor saying to me, if your wife is enslaved to fear as a pastor, that will hinder your ministry. It was like straight up with me about the nature of like what we could be walking into, but it seemed like she was making so much progress. Like the enslavement piece, I felt like the enslavement piece was broken. It, was, it wasn't life dominating in the mm-hmm. same way. It's still there,
0: mm-hmm. but just
1: not enslaved yeah. mm-hmm. she's know? actually
0: taking steps to go places that yeah. she wouldn't have done yeah before and, right?
1: yeah and yeah. so we had like worked and worked and yeah. worked and worked and worked at this mm-hmm. and so but there were other pieces for me like it wasn't just like her fear is going to be a hindrance to ministry i think for me i learned womanhood through the process of this you know and like the underlying just fears and vulnerabilities i think i learned mm. um what it meant to be an understanding husband through this, you know, whereas like, you know, you're kind of in the beginning of dating and you're both selfish and you just kind of think mm-hmm. through the lens of maleness or femaleness, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, I have to get out. This was forcing me. I mean, her bringing up my issues with, you know, of, you know, my emotional constipation, and My <laughs> and, you know, I just want you to understand how I'm feeling. And I'm just like... Mm-hmm. I don't Feeling? feel. What? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's wow, actually what that's I a, said. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> actually, what I said. So that was great for her to hear that. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I began to learn through this constant dialogue, through this reality of like to be just be able to understand. Like, okay, so you're afraid to go to Walmart. Well, it's not Walmart's the problem. So I began to realize. I began to realize. Yeah, I man, I can see why. Just feeling trapped in a situation that you can't get out of, feeling anxiety sounds terrifying. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it just sounds so you learn to
2: empathize.
1: Yeah. And I, and I learned to empathize with that. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I learned about myself because I learned to see that I have a lot more fears that exist in my own heart and life mm-hmm. than I understood before. Mm-hmm. You know, so occasionally she reminds me, she's like, You know, I mean, you have a lot of fears too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you say you don't feel,
1: much you You have a lot of fears too. Oh, that's what that feeling is. That's what that reality is going on there. Oh, I guess you're right. And and so I learned a lot about myself through the mm-hmm. process and about my own sin. And so I think I was learning what God's grace is like mm-hmm. in his work with us in sanctification. And so, you know, as she grew and I grew, it's it's actually I think just been a tremendous help. Mm-hmm. So in other words God redeemed it. You know God this the Lord has really used this now for mm-hmm. our good and my good. And so now you know I everyone's not going to get fixed, you mm-hmm. know, and and everything's not going to change overnight for people and mm-hmm. and yet they need encouraged to work at their sanctification mm-hmm. and they need they need um they need sympathy and they need understanding, but they also need strength. And so mm-hmm. All of these kinds of things that I feel like we mm. the ground for where it was all developed was your fear. Mm. Mm. And so the Lord just used it in such an incredible way. I mean in, I, in
2: I c- preparing you
1: to absolutely. be a
2: pastor yeah. of a church and
1: yeah. a pastor's
2: wife. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you so much more useful than you imagined mm. doing work that you hadn't even thought. Yeah, I mean I can't That's even it.
1: imagine it being different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if we had not mm. had that severity the Lord apparently knew we needed that severity of something to work through to get us to where he wanted to take us. Mm-hmm. You know, To be he, useful. To him. Yeah. I've been pastoring the church for 10 years almost now, mm-hmm. um, this fall. And I mean, we don't talk about fear every day anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's there for certain things. But I mean, we've traveled all over the country. We've left mm-hmm. home a long We've went a long ways from home many times. It's there. Um, so is mine, mm-hmm. but it doesn't rule anymore. And mm-hmm. so we're just free to keep loving people and mm-hmm. loving the church. and
3: and I would say that i well, I love being a pastor's wife, but I think that it's helpful to me because what is the answer to fear, and that is love, loving mm-hmm. God and loving others? And I have a lot of opportunities to love others. And mm. I love that because that's what's most helpful. Mm. And so I love it does, I love, love that you practiced mm. to, for
2: all those yeah. years. That's yeah. when, when you were writing those questions down on those cards. Yeah. That's what you were doing. You were practicing loving others.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's what you now give your life
3: to do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's really amazing. I mean, she has like people at our house Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't even know where she meets them or who (laughs) they are. And she's just (laughs) loving on them. And it's just really incredible. It really is. It's really amazing. In a lot of ways, I have just always thought if there's any good that comes from, you know, my ministry as a pastor, in large part, it really is just due to my wife.
0: This episode of Monumental was hosted by Katie Walker and Sieber Baker. It is produced and edited by Katie Walker, and it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Mensel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles and other podcasts, please visit warhornmedia.com.